You're listening to Podcast PXN, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo. Let's do this. What's up, guys? You're listening to Podcast PXN Episode 2. Today we're going to have a great show for you guys today. We have some PlayStation news, um, well, sort of, with Apex Legends' new limited time mode. Obviously, still, you, yeah. Yeah, you play on PlayStation, so it's still PlayStation news, I guess. But we've got some news coming up for you guys, uh, PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo. And we've got some very cool topics to go into, so let's go ahead and just jump right into the show. So, first up, the PXN News of the Week. Uh, that Apex Limited Time Mode solo mode coming next week. How excited are you for that? I don't know yet, to be real with you. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, as I said last week, I've gotten super into it. Been yeah. into it since February. But I've only been into it because of my friends that are playing the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I rarely play solo with randoms. Um, a lot of the times I'm just playing with my friends and just, you know, we're chatting on the mic and that type of stuff. So, I mean, the single player mode sounds cool. I'm curious exactly what's all going to be around it. I know it gets released next week yeah. uh, with an update. So we'll see. Uh, I don't anticipate, especially because it's a limited time, it like consuming us as much as the actual multiplayer has right. or the game itself. Um, but if I can maybe get some sort of story elements around like the characters, it's Apex is doing that like uh, curious thing that Overwatch is doing, where they kind of give you the story that you have to search for either online or through sure. digital shorts. Um, I and actually this season with their uh, load screens, they have a little short snippet of stories for every character. Right. When you unlock them, so it'd be interesting to kind of dive deeper into that. Because gotcha. you don't really, you're not looking for it. You don't know who's who, why they're doing what they're doing. And I always like that aspect of those games. I, th- I think it's kind of interesting because like Apex is built around being like this cooperative uh, battle royale experience. So it's kind of weird in a way for you to have a solo mode come out for it because you have like your support class and you have your assault class and such kind of like Overwatch except obviously Overwatch isn't a battle royale but you have these classes that are designed to like work cooperatively so I don't know how I don't know how the solo mode's gonna like uh, handle that because you know some characters aren't gonna necessarily stand up against other characters like a medic may not necessarily stand up against an assault character um yeah i mean it'd be it'll be kind of funny to see how that whole balancing act goes because you're right it is has always been since launch it is a three-player game in right. a sense um where you do have your recon or your medic um or your attack and so it'll be interesting to say okay so you're only playing with we'll go with my personal favorite pathfinder mm-hmm. whose technical class is the healer or medic so what does that look like as far as a single player? Am I just going around the same map and shooting randos? Or am I getting something involved with the actual characters? Like, do I find out why Caustic is as evil as he is? Since everyone knows there's at least one bad guy, and that's the bad guy in the series. So I, I, I'll play it. I definitely want to check it out. I'm hoping that I can also increase my battle pass while playing it. Yeah. Um, I haven't dived too deep into that. Uh, to see if it's going to update with it. But I think it's going to be kind of a cool thing to do, especially because it's only limited time. So it's nothing that's going to take us away from the actual core experience itself. Sure. Cool. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm definitely interested to see how how all that pans out. But uh, 
I'm just going to jump us into our next uh, news real, item. Real yeah. quick, Tyler, you're 100% right. Pathfinder is the best character. 100% yeah, right. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. He's uh, he's completely wrong, but, I mean, yeah, that's cool. How is that? Who, who's <laughs> Sorry, this? Tyler, you're wrong. It's Lifeline. He's the, nah. She's the best. Lifeline for life. Mm. Let's go. Sorry, Tyler, I don't. You don't even know how to play the game. By the, way, by the way, Tyler is a good friend of mine. I just met him, actually, after uh, Outpost Discovery in Philadelphia. It's kind of funny. Uh, I kind of met him on Twitter after Outpost Discovery because they tweeted out something about him attending and everything. And we chatted it up, and he knows as much, if not more, about Halo than I do because he reads all the books and everything. And, and you can't read, so that's that yeah, works out that's perfect. That's funny. Somebody can translate it for you. That's yeah. awesome. That's funny. That's not <laughs> funny. But I appreciate it, Tyler. Thanks for coming out. And also, Christina, thank you for coming out as well. You're his girlfriend. Uh, appreciate you guys supporting us. Yeah, definitely. But uh, next up on the PXN News of the Week is Halo TV series casts all of their uh, side characters, basically. So uh, Cortana was actually cast as Natasha McElroran. I'm probably butchered her uh, name. I believe so. I, I butchered her name, but uh, she'll actually star two characters, obviously Cortana and Dr. Halsey, because in the... She's based, correct? If I remember right from one of the Halo movies, Who? Cortana's based off of Halsey? She, so Cortana is actually basically a image of Halsey's brain. Oh, uh, so okay. Dr. Halsey is the creator of the Spartan program. She basically started the whole program that had abducted the little kids as uh, yeah. as children and turned them into Spartans, and she created Cortana from her own mind. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so she'll actually play both Dr. Halsey and Cortana, which is super, in- super, super interesting and cool because she actually looks, like, pretty similar to Cortana, actually, like, facial features-wise. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how they do that. I don't know if they're going to actually use her, like, physical image as Cortana or if they're going to do, like, CGI and have her, you know, just voice her and then have her appear as Dr. Halsey physically. Yeah, it'd be um, interesting to see that route they go, especially mm-hmm. with it being such a heavy science fiction show. Absolutely. And th- the thing that's so exciting about this show is Showtime has already said that they want to invest in this show as much as like Game of Thrones, uh, as much as HBO did in Game of Thrones. They want to do the same thing for Halo uh, TV series. And we actually got a premiere date as well last week, which is um, the first part of 2021 which is still a long ways away, granted, but I'm very, very excited to see that whole thing pan out, and I really hope they do it justice. Which brings me to another uh, episode of Sean Was Right. It was <laughs> delayed from 2020 of the fall to the fall of 2021, but that's a side cop conversation uh, between uh, Daniel and I. Uh, Whatever. Whatever. So she's actually, now that I've seen seeing her, she's I, in the, been in a few. Things. I was gonna say she looks very familiar. Yeah. I remember her in Truman Show. Yep. I could have sworn she was in some sort of older movie that I remember liking, but yeah. More recently, it looks like Designated Survivor. Yeah. If you watch that, but I, she's not like a no name actress. That's what's uh, these act, actors and actresses they got aren't no namers. Um, they aren't like obviously top of the mm. shelf or anything like that. They're not you know gonna get that kind of quality talent but i'm very excited to see how they but that's where i think a lot of those like hbo showtime star shows kind of shine is when they don't go out and get like Mm -hmm. a big name to 
be the star of the show. Yeah. They create these stars through their character development True. and everything. Uh, we all thought Game of Thrones was going to be about Sean Bean. At least those of us who didn't watch or read the books mm-hmm. were all like, oh my god, they killed Sean Bean in five episodes. What the heck? He's not yeah. the star? Mm-hmm. So there's going to be probably a lot of people that get famous over this. Um, I yeah. do anticipate, like you said, with that budget, just the the script is going to have to be top-notch in order to appease that budget. Absolutely. I agree completely. Um, the next item on our news of the week is uh, Mario Tennis Aces is getting a temporarily free uh, new game trial. Um, and basically, this is a brand new thing for Nintendo that I guess they're trying out in Europe, I believe. I believe it's only in Europe right now that they're doing this. Yeah, correct. But uh, it's super cool because they're basically giving you the game to try out for X amount of time. And you get to play through that full game. It's just only for a certain amount of time. And then if you actually enjoy the game, then you can purchase it and still keep your saves. Which I know a lot of other games on Xbox and PlayStation 4 do similar things where you can play that trial and transfer your progress over. But this is exciting for Nintendo games because for me, it's just Nintendo games you have to actually play. Like you want to play that gameplay and see how how you like it. For instance, like with Mario Aces, it may uh, you may may or may not have played a Mario tennis game before, and this may help you get into it. I I suppose. Yeah, I think it's it's surprising on two fronts. One because it's Nintendo doing it, and Nintendo. A lot of times they get flack for not being as consumer friendly as possible. I mean, when's the last time you bought a first party Nintendo game that was actually on sale? That's true. It rarely happens, if ever. I remember yeah. even with during Wii U, um, the console was obviously struggling. Yep. And it's like, okay, let's get some then first party like discounts and stuff like that. Did not happen. Um, and the other thing is the fact that they're sort of, I guess you could say looking at maybe games that possibly didn't hit as much as they wanted to. So we know what the sales are when it came to Switch as of right now. They're yes. over 32 million. Yep, they're actually um, closing in on Xbox One sales, last, last reported, reported yeah. sales, but who knows what they're Exactly. Uh, my guess is at least 60, maybe 70. Right. Um, but I, I know Mario Tennis was in is actually in the top 10 when it comes mm-hmm. to sales, but you know how Nintendo bloats their projections. A lot of times, even this year, they had to scale their projections down of uh, switches sold yeah. because they just they go after it basically to the sky. So I'm wondering if they chose Mario Tennis Aces because of they want to see if they can spark any more sales, mm-hmm. particularly in Europe. Um, it is a very robust game right now. Uh, if you've played any of the tournaments online, you always got to unlock a character about a month early. Uh, last time I checked excuse me, uh, was maybe about, I think it was 20 characters in total that you could play with. Um, Granted, there's only really four play styles, just like there kind of always has been in Mario Tennis. Right. But it is pretty nice that you have that ability that if Mario Tennis, it didn't light the world on fire, if you just were the person that read the reviews and were like, well, 60 bucks, that's a lot for a game that might be okay, but I don't need that type of party game. So if obviously in Europe and you could be like, well, let's try it out. Let's see how much it is, uh, or let's see how what enjoyment I can get out of it. It is a blast playing multiplayer, yeah. um, just like any of those Mario sports games are. Um, I would just be really interested to see if not only this test continues in Europe, 
but if this test continues with other games absolutely like what else could you bring to the fold mm-hmm. i mean their their support of super mario party for the switch yeah. was abysmal to say that the best and when i say support they didn't give any um mario tennis had so much dlc other games did even super mario odyssey a single player game super mario party didn't um and that is a game that should be rife with opportunity for dlc so i'd be curious to see what goes further with nintendo absolutely yeah, that, I think that's kind of the key for me. I think it would be super cool if Nintendo did this for like smaller indie games because I know they have a ton of indie games that have come to the Switch. So if they could do this program with like you know Joe Schmo and the small game and just give you the opportunity to play this game that might be amazing, you just never uh, get the exposure to it because you know it's a small game. I think that would be that would be one of the big stop, biggest opportunities for them is getting those smaller developers a little bit more love with a program like this that you can just try out yourself, see if you like it, and then you end up buying it when you decide that you end up liking it. That's yeah. that's one of the super. I cool mean, things. if the Switch has shown anything, it is not not so much of a renaissance of uh, indie games because they've always been going strong since like the PS3, Xbox 360 days, mm-hmm. but. If you have a choice to play an indie game and you have all three, you're going to want to play it on the Switch. Absolutely. That's been pretty much shown. Um, I know I've seen numbers where uh, the attach rate on a uh, Switch when it comes to just having a few indies is remarkably high. Um, Especially indies that came out on Steam maybe like three or four years ago. I mean, Super Meat Boy is what now? Five, six years old. And it's still sold crazy on the Switch. Mm -hmm. So there is... 100% 100% an audience there that is not only thriving and wanting to have uh, Nintendo first party, yep. but you're 100% right. They want indies too, so why not give them that ability for maybe a lesser known indie? Blow them up. Absolutely. That is That, that to me is the most exciting part. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about our next item of the week, which is Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Uh, they had a very big showing. They showed off a ton of stuff from multiplayer and talked a little bit about campaign. So I am very, I don't know if you know this, but I was a huge Call of Duty Modern Warfare fan, the original Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, and I absolutely love that game. I put hundreds and hundreds of hours into it. Probably that, that game rivaled Halo 3 for me. They came out the same year. It rivaled Halo 3 for me and hours put into it. So I'm very excited for this new reboot. And they've kind of detailed some of the processes they're doing. They announced there's no uh, Battle Royale mode like Black Ops 4 had, which is fine with me. I don't, I don't need any more Battle Royales. We have plenty out there. But the exciting thing for me is they have new game mode like 2v2 mode, which is like a very intense like i've seen gameplay on it and it looks super interesting it's a very intense small quartered map where they build these maps specifically for 2v2 experiences which is super cool and they kind of have different tiers in multiplayer so they have these smaller maps built specifically for 2v2 they have the regular maps that are hosting like the traditional call of duty size maps like 6v6 or 10v10 or whatever it is um so it has that size map and then they have another new map size which is a large map size almost like a battlefield size map and it's uh i believe 20 versus 20 
which is insane because I don't think there's ever been any that anywhere close to that many players for a Call of Duty game, and that has like vehicles and everything. So it seems like they're trying to push into Battlefield territory a little bit with that. Um, and also, the other thing about that is they also said that eventually those bigger maps could support up to a hundred players at some point, which. It's kind of odd that they would specifically say 100 players, like maybe they're trying to set the foundation for adding a Battle Royale in the future, because why else would you just blatantly say 100 players? There's so many other numbers you could have came up with. Yeah, it's, that's, that's curious, especially because, in my opinion, I feel like uh, Blackout almost mm. took the place of PUBG as far as being mm-hmm. one of those top-tier uh, battle royale games i mean you don't hear about you only hear generally about fortnite apex and blackout PUBG is kind of like the lesser thing on everyone's mind mm-hmm. um so i'm curious if they would somehow extend it over to a new call of duty because that was everyone's question once excuse me once uh uh the new modern warfare sorry the new call of duty was announced yep. is what happens to blackout what do you do with that player base you don't want to get rid of them mm-hmm. uh fortnite doesn't have that problem uh, Apex won't have that problem, and then obviously PUBG doesn't. They're not releasing a new game every year, so that'd be interesting to see how they do it. Yeah, I like the two v two stuff. Reminds me kind of of gameplay you see probably from like Rainbow Six Siege, mm-hmm. uh, where it's kind of tight quarters. Yep, uh, trying to figure out how you get ahead and um, all that stuff. I haven't really bought a Call of Duty game since Modern Warfare Two. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if this is something that I end up uh, going after. As we did last week, we did our top five anticipated games, and that was on neither one of our lists True. Uh, when it came to this fall. But obviously, of all the games, it's going to sell the most. Mm-hmm. So is it marketing then towards us or not? At the moment, I don't see it pulling me away from Apex, um, especially with games coming out like doom and borderlands that i really want to get a hold of myself of when it comes to fps's but if they keep on their path and reinventing themselves i think doing i know black ops 4 got a lot of heat because it went online only but as we saw in the market it still won it it still knew exactly what it was doing um so does activision as a company so i don't know it'll be interesting to see how this how this moves people i think them hinting at a battle royale without saying the words i think will keep it still going fresh and to kind of lead into what you were talking about like they're in a dangerous territory with blackout because how you can't really split off blackout into its own thing because if you do that then you're going to take away your player base from your actual retail releases and Activision loves money too much to throw that away. They're not, yep. they're not going to get rid of their retail Call of Duty games. So the thing is, I think they will support Blackout to a certain extent, but at some point they're going to have to cut that off, especially since there's a rumor out there right now that, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but Sledgehammer, who's the third Call of Duty developer, there's a rumor that they aren't uh, in good shape right now and that the Call of Duty game next year that's supposed to be theirs is being changed to Treyarch for another Black Ops game because... Oh, that's not, a, that's not a rumor. 
That was actually announced a few months ago. That was, that's officially happening. It was announced. Yeah. I thought it was just a leak. Yeah, that well, the leak the leak happened that this year was Modern Warfare before the NBA Finals, right? And that all came true. And then I believe they actually said that okay. there was some trouble with Sledgehammer, yeah. uh, with helping them, which is gotcha. obviously sad to see. Yeah. Um, I think. I mean, I wish them luck. The uh, Treyarch. Yeah. Because uh, on a Going from a two-year dev cycle to, or sorry, a three-year dev cycle to a three-year, two-year, yep. that's going to be a difficult one. Absolutely. I mean, you always look at FPSs as pushing the limit when it comes to your graphics and your stability when it comes to things on screen and all that stuff. Yep. So, I mean, obviously they're not reinventing their engine yet, but we're getting dangerously close to next gen. Is that really the spot that Activision wants to put themselves in when it comes to hitting out of the gate? With, I mean, we all, we know that Fortnite somehow is going to come over and make it, at some way, shape, or form, better experience on whatever the Scarlet or the PS5 is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yep. And if they want to keep remaining relevant, they have to do something interesting. They can't just, you know, cash in on another Black Ops because people will pick up on that. Yep, they're not I agree. Just, they're not just going to keep buying it if it's not going to change. Like, this Modern Warfare does seem like it's changing quite a bit from the original, and they're rebooting it. So, at least they're doing that uh this year but as far as next year that's kind of up in the air at this point uh one more thing about modern warfare i just thought this was hilarious there's a so they added this little digital watch in the game and apparently this digital watch actually has like a a tamagotchi character on it and it goes like crazy when you get kills and stuff and you have to like feed it with your kills essentially i just thought that was hilarious (laughs) i just saw that this morning and i was like what in the world I wonder how many kids are actually going to know what a Tamagotchi is that still play Call of Duty. Because it's such a 90s thing to know. Mm -hmm. And a huge base of Call of Duty anymore is not 90s kids. It is OO kids. Like, that that is pretty funny. Yeah, that was was hilarious to me. Um, Our last news story of the week, uh, I thought this one was perfectly fitting for our uh, podcast because it involves all three, uh, the big three. So Nintendo, Microsoft, and, and Sony are all three working on a new policy for uh, loot box probabilities. So essentially what they're saying is, is anytime a developer or publisher puts loot boxes into their games that appear on those platforms, they have to include the probability chances of every loot box or whatever the like probability ratings are they have to tell you exactly what they are and they have to tell you all that information up front as opposed to you know kid a buying this loot box and having no idea what he's getting like out a, of it. between a legendary and epic or rare and exactly. common, that type of thing exactly yeah. yeah so this is very interesting to me because uh of all the issues surrounding loot boxes there's been legislation that's been Uh, proposed for loot boxes and it's just been a huge ordeal i know ea uh appeared at some kind of court deal it was it was in another country i can't remember what country it was but they appeared and said oh these are just surprise mechanics they're not loot boxes it's like come on it's was it it maybe holland i think i might have been yeah but it's just it's crazy they should have to put this up front. If you have loot boxes in your game, you should tell people what they're getting. Like, I definitely agree with this a thousand percent. And I think we are slowly starting to see the death of loot boxes, I believe. 
I don't think that we're going to see the death of microtransactions, but I think we're going to slowly see the death of loot boxes just because of all the issues surrounding it. So I don't think personally that we'll see the death of the loot boxes themselves. I think we'll just see them ticked in a different way. Um, So um, another thing, obviously I'll have to talk about Apex again. Um, (laughs) Surprise. Apex actually does give you that probability as far as, okay, you're pretty much 100% going to get a common item. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like a 7.2 for like a legendary item and stuff. And I have unlocked legendary items in those and it, for the most part, adds up right. So that's where I think you'll see a big change is when, if they do enforce these policies, which we all have to realize that not only would they have to enforce these to put a game on your console, they have to enforce these in every country that they're going to be sold. Um, So I can see that being a change where, okay, now you know, that's great, but what is it doing to deter from that practice? Um, Obviously, we don't have any kids, but... When you have a console and you have a kid, sometimes your credit card is actually linked to that. So what's the oftenness that your kid actually charges your credit card to a loot box? Yep. And we both know that we don't need those items. If they come, they come. If they don't, they don't. We're not going to cry wolf or any of that stuff. But a kid who's seeing his best friend have like a gold helmet on some game, yeah. he wants that same helmet or something better. So it's going to get bought. So I do agree with loot boxes being a bad thing in general. Yep. I think it has been uh, the ugly side of micro- microtransactions. I mean, it took the entire story away from Battlefront's gameplay, uh, and it just ran away with how they were doing things. Um, I think I remember an IGN article talking about how to unlock like Darth Vader. For some reason, cost like ninety nine thousand oh, dollars or something, thirteen thousand dollars, so bad to do it, or like you had to put in so much time. Yeah. So I, I think you'll see a progression when it comes to loot boxes. I just don't see them going away because companies, unfortunately, do make so much money from that stuff. Yeah. I, the, the only reason I feel like they're going to go away is just because of the controversy surrounding them. And I feel like the companies can achieve the same thing, the same uh, monetization that they're getting out of microtransactions. They just are targeting more specific things like, hey, you want this piece of armor buy it for 4.99 or whatever uh, i just feel like they're gonna try to target people more now instead of like just randomizing so it. i can see them almost having both yeah um the reason why is because i mean humans love that gambling aspect true that's it, that's at the core what a loot box is or a loot crate or however you want to describe it those are all just gambling you're taking a chance on you getting that item that you really want and as we can tell from casinos across the world, people love to gamble and just have, even if it's that sliver of a chance, they still want to take that chance. So that's why I can see almost being essentially coming both ways. So you could get, you could buy your one for almost a premium, yep. or you can just hope to win it in a random loot box for a little less. Makes sense. That actually does make sense. And we may see that sooner mm-hmm. rather than later. Um, so next we're going to jump into our games that we are playing right now. Uh, I'll just jump us off here. Um, I started Wolfenstein Youngblood, as you saw a little bit of, of that. Um, I'm very, very interested in the Wolfenstein franchise. I absolutely love the franchise. So far, Wolfenstein Youngblood is good. Um, I don't think it's necessarily anything um, 
crazy good. Like I, I absolutely love the new order and the new Colossus and uh, also Old Blood, which is the spinoff. But uh, this one just doesn't feel as um, in depth, I guess you would call it. And also it feels too easy to me. And I know I'm playing on normal. So there's like six difficulties. There's super easy. That's way too many difficulties yeah, for FPS. Yes. <laughs> there's like super easy, easy, normal, uh, hard, very hard, and then insane. And I always play on normal on every game I ever play. So I played on normal and I literally just steamrolled everything. And the times that I did get downed, where it did happen where I would get downed, uh, the companion character would just easily come pick me up. So it wasn't even a big deal. And there's like lives that you have. You have three lives that don't even get taken away if you get downed. It just gets taken away if you die out. And then you respawn. So there's really no... Oh, that is odd. Yeah, there's no, like, uh, there's no negative to you just running in and going run and gun. Because a lot of the missions, they, like, pose it as, oh, you could stealth kill this person. It's like, what's the point? I can just run in there and steamroll everyone, you know? it's It feels to me like they didn't design the game uh, based around the actual components they wanted you to do like this if they wanted you to do a lot of stealth stuff then they should have implemented reasons for you to want to do the stealth kill like uh if you don't do the stealth kill then you get this boss that's like a armored boss that's more difficult than like the regular peons or whatever you know it just didn't feel like it was designed with that in mind that's my personal yeah I i was watching you play it i mean it did give me vibes of the other two and like i said last week i haven't played the second one but i've watched a lot of videos on it it's really um i mean graphically it still looks great uh on par with the other two um i think the twin sister mechanic is awesome uh, as far Mm. as like kind of diving deeper in the story Uh, wolfenstein can be so much more than bj blastoix um but and maybe you can answer this easier is i feel like maybe part of the companion issues is i feel like they're trying to push you in that direction of co-op. Yeah. Uh, whether online or maybe even on the couch. Um, but it, it feels like it wasn't developed as a single-player game. True. Yeah. That, that is true. And, and I, could see what, I could see where they're coming from when it comes to that. But it's just like, to me, like even if it's an actual person playing that role, I feel like it would still be the same uh, difficulty level because all they have to do is just come pick me up, you know? It's not like if I get downed, I'm not losing anything. Like they're they aren't taking anything away from me. It's almost like they should have had their life system based on if you get downed, you get three downs, and then. So you, you think lose. with all the praise that uh, Wolfenstein got to harping back to old days of FPSs with health packs, uh, mm-hmm. shields that don't just regenerate, that they almost took a step backwards by implementing newer revive systems? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, absolutely, and. <sighs> That's what's crazy. You you want to add all these new technologies and new trends, I guess, is more the appropriate term. But it doesn't always make your game better, and especially for a game that's based so heavily on what made the original game so good. Like That's what makes Doom so good, because it harps back to that original feeling of being in that, in that world. And Wolfenstein is the same way. It makes you feel like you're 
uh, struggling to survive, I guess, is not struggling to survive, but powerful, but not too powerful, I guess, is more the better term. Like, but, the world is yours to lose, yeah, essentially. exactly. Yeah. But, so, yeah, I'm just a little lukewarm on that. I, I think it's good, it's just not as good as the other two games. Personally. So, Game Pass it when it comes on to Game Pass. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll probably do that, yep, absolutely. Uh, the other game that I've been playing... Madden 20. Uh, so I've bought I've bought every Madden game for probably I don't know probably the last 20 years. My dad or I have bought the all the Madden games. This year's Madden might be my least favorite Madden I've ever played in my entire life. Already? Yes. Oh, man. And the the thing is, last year's game was already a huge step back for me personally like i thought that the gameplay did not feel right at all and it felt really um stale like it felt felt super slow i guess is what i'm going for they had this new real motion system uh that they put in place where basically it's a new animation system where the characters run and move and interact in a more realistic way but the movements just felt sluggish and not as refined as years past. And then this year, it just—I just feel like it just got worse this year. It—it it literally has taken it, and almost—I think the problem is it's gotten too realistic for its own good. It's no longer fun to play. It's basically just pushing for pure realism, and that's, I guess, to me, the real problem because. When you're pushing something so, so realistic, it doesn't necessarily make it fun. You have to, in the root of the game, it still has to be fun. It's a game. You don't want to make something that's just super hyper-realistic, like simulation. Like, you want to have something exciting to play every time. And for me personally, this year's Madden has been a huge disappointment. I know the reviews haven't been bad or anything like that but that's just for me personally i haven't enjoyed i, it. I can understand that though because as a fan of madden you're going to be more critical mm-hmm. uh of it just because it is a game that in my opinion any of those ea or 2k games they should not be a yearly thing that should be almost a yearly update that's just i mean there's not too much inventiveness after the launch of a new generation yep i mean i think having an updated roster and selling that to you that is a great move to do because they're already making so much bank off of their online microtransactions and stuff. I think there was a report that uh, FIFA makes more in its microtransaction than it ever does in its sales. Mm-hmm. That ultimate which is, scene. Yeah, which is crazy. But, I mean, I haven't played a Madden, to be honest with you, since college. Yep. Um, and even then, I was always saying in my head, this franchise is not for me. I'm not a sim player, and that's what Madden is, and I get it. It's supposed to get more and more realistic, but I harpen back to the days of like NFL Blitz oh. or Namco uh, uh, Tecmo Super Bowl. So good. Um, like those games were just so they were the sport, but they were goofy. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think you need. It's like you're saying you want to harp back to this like having fun on a game. Is it really that much fun to be like the coach of a realistic? football team they all look terrible no yeah <laughs> like, i i mean i remember what was that a few maybe back in like 2010 when they released that like uh madden coach or madden manager game and stuff like that and i had a friend that bought it and he and he loved it but that's because he's the type of guy also that loves all the sim aspects of managing a football team yeah. and 
I don't think a lot of gamers are at that point. No. Nope. I think they just want to play their Madden and either watch their favorite streamers do it or just, you know, sit back and have fun and live to play as your Peyton Manning or your Tom Brady, like that just says your favorite player. Yep, absolutely. That's exactly right. I play Madden just to have fun, not for super hyper-realism. Yeah. That's what I watch actual NFL football exactly, for. Yeah. Um, so as far as games I've been playing, I think uh, we should always preface this by saying we got out of the way week one, but <laughs> don't ever anticipate Daniel or myself not playing Halo or Apex respectively. Yeah. Uh, so we won't be saying those games anymore <laughs> when we say we're pl- what, what games we're playing. Yep. Uh, so we'll go with others. So um, one of mine is a Switch game uh, that in- I was doing the first couple of nights, which was Hollow Knight. I restarted another game on Hollow Knight. Um, it's a game that came out on Steam uh, like two years ago, and then last year uh, it was a big E3 announcement, uh, and it dropped that same day. Uh, and it was actually one of my game of the years last year if I had to pick wow. a grand total. It's just a massively fun uh, Metroidvania that, in a sense, feels like a Dark Souls um, just because of its grim nature yeah. uh, and its difficulty as well. It is it is not a uh, Metroidvania that is for the faint of heart. Uh, you will die. You will get your butt kicked, uh, especially on some of the bosses. So as long as you are adept to realizing, okay, this is how this boss plays, this is how I have to learn to play, you're going to love it. Um, and it also has that story element of the story is there for you and the characters are there for you. You just have to go out and search it. The game's not going to tell you everything that's going on, but if you want that, it is there for you to grab. Uh, and I just fell in love with it when it came out. I've been wanting to start a new game. I hadn't finished all the DLC that, by the way, was free on the Switch, uh, which was an amazing deal. Wow. That I bought this game for seventeen ninety nine, and I kept getting free DLC. And, um, and it just keeps making me more and more anticipated for Hollow Knight 2 when eventually that does come out. That is awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then the other game I've been playing, this is actually all due to Daniel last week. He mentioned it very sparsely, uh, but uh, South Park Stick of Truth. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned that with Obsidian last week but i was like you know what i'm really wanting to play this again uh, i was sitting in my playstation i got it as a bonus when i pre-ordered fractured the hole but the game still holds up and actually now that i'm playing it on a ps4 and xbox uh one the generation the load times have been incredibly fixed really um and i know that was my biggest issue when it came to the original is that dude this game's hilarious it's so fun but like i feel like i'm wasting five minutes every screen trying to wait um, so that's been fixed, but if you're ever looking for an RPG, you don't have a lot of time, and you don't even want to get into an RPG, it is the perfect game. Yes. I mean, what, it maybe took you 10 to 12 hours to beat, Yep. Um, and you got a full RPG within that. Yes. I mean, it, it's got customization, it's got you upgrading and all that stuff, and it's a 10-hour long episode of South Park, yep. which makes it even better, and they go to the extreme, as you yes. know. What I see, what I love about the South Park games too, is when Ubisoft took it over uh, for Fractured Butthole, that game is completely different than Stick of Truth, but they're both really good. That's what's crazy. They're two very different gameplay styles, but they're both really good. So if you you definitely, I agree. If you are looking for an RPG that's like not as long as like your thirty, forty hour sprawling RPG, I would definitely check out Stick of Truth or Fractured Butthole. And honestly, I think it's a good RPG too for 
beginners. Now, granted, it's going to have a lot of mature content. Yep. I'm pretty sure... I have to remember, I'm only on day two, but on day three, I think you fight Khloe Kardashian's aborted fetus. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, but uh, as far as like a beginner, if you're trying to get into RPGs, yeah. it teaches you actually not only those, but uh, it, it almost is a JRPG. Uh, I mean, the first one was a time attack a in, bit, a, yeah. in a turn-based battle system. Yeah. And then the second one had the strategy base, like a Fire Emblem or a Final Fantasy Tactics. So... It's just really cool how they're using these mechanics in a modern and almost American way. Absolutely. And that's the thing for me. Like, those types of games, JRPGs and stuff, don't interest me. But I I love the battle systems in both of those games. Yeah. So, they do it very smartly. Um, so, we're going to go ahead and jump, jump into the topic of the show now. I know it took us a while to get here, but... Um, so we're kind of going to talk about the idea of streamers in general having an impact on the industry. And more specifically, last week uh, it was it came to light that uh, Ninja, was he's the biggest streamer in the world right now, uh, moving from Twitch to Mixer. And he's completed that move. And now, actually, I dug up some details today. He has 1.3 million followers already on Mixer, and he passed a million Mixer subscribers, which is crazy because Mixer Mixer doesn't get the love that it necessarily deserves. Um, it's a great streaming platform, just like Twitch. It's just it doesn't have the exposure, and it actually in some ways is better than Twitch because it has super low latency streams where you can... Uh, it's less than a millisecond between the gameplay and the people in the chat. So that's very ex very interesting to see from that front, them try to get more competition with Twitch. And I think that them getting Ninja will definitely help grab more people onto Mixer. And actually, I've been seeing people online say, hey, this Mixer isn't too bad now that they're actually seeing it before they had never even gotten on there because they're like, oh, why should I even get on there? There's nobody on there. So having a big personality, so to speak, on the platform kind of helps drive people to it. Even though I'm not a, personally, I'm not a huge Ninja fan. Uh, he's kind of a, mm, not a nice person or so I've heard. Uh, obviously he used to be, he used to be a uh, Halo pro player, and there were a lot of grumblings about uh, teammates that did not get along with him because he would basically blame everyone but himself. So, but I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say he's an awful person or anything. He's done some really great things. He's donated a lot of money to some great causes. So he's definitely not a bad person. It's just there's things about them that you may not necessarily In case you were like. wondering, this is week two of Daniel creating you enemies. You know what? I'm not so creating if enemies. If anybody's keeping a list, uh, uh, just start marking them off. I'm not creating enemies. <laughs> I'm just I'm just pointing facts out, okay? So that's just my thoughts on it. And it's very interesting because I think as we move forward, I think streamers are only going to get more influential when it comes to games because... They're getting these sponsorships and they're getting uh, publicity to these games. So it's very interesting because you're already seeing it with Twitch and Mixer streamers where they're being paid to play a certain game or beta or whatever. Um, Ninja got a lot of those last year with like Battlefield 5 and uh, Call, the new Call of Duty. He got Apex this year Apex. Uh, on launch day. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. I think in a sense, and you can disagree with me if you want, but I think you might agree, mm -hmm. is I almost think streamers to 
pretty much the population are more important than games media at this point. Yeah. It's it's not how I get my news or get my feedback as far as games, and I know neither do you, but a lot of kids have grown up now with these streamers for the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Daniel, you infamously get confused on your Xbox with a famous streamer. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I'm just using that as an example because we'll be watching TV, and you'll get, like... 50,000 messages from all these little kids that want to play with you because they think you're this other person. Yep. And just in my mind, that tells me that, like, the streamers that everyone kind of put to the side, that where they're just like, well, they only play video games. Who does that? Everybody does that. I mean, PewDiePie, what, is the number one YouTuber or something like that? Yep, he is. And he started with streaming. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's how the industry has moved forward. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it 100%. Um, there's only actually been one streaming channel that I ever got hooked on, and that was an IGN exclusive one, Prepare to Try. Um, mostly, yes, because it had Dark Souls, Ugh. but it was really just the comedy elements that the that group had, and it, it's what's something that kept me up, but I remember thinking to myself, like, it's just weird watching somebody else play a game and me watching them play a game. No. So, I mean, this ninja thing is, and I almost went to that category of old man, where I was like, why is this big news? But you're 100% right. This is huge news. I mean, Mixer is going to have to, I mean, that's great. They got, it's almost like Lakers getting LeBron James. Yeah. Um, that is such a huge move. But what Mixer is going to have to now realize is, all right, that's cool. You did the hard part, or the easy part in my mind, of getting ninja. Now what are you going to do to compete with Twitch? Uh, I mean, you're a, you're a company just like any other place, mm-hmm. so you're going to have so much migration over to your platform. Yep. Um, is everything going to... You're saying that the bandwidth and all that stuff yep. was so minuscule and you didn't have to wait along for all your streams. Yep. What's that looking like when a player like him has like 10 million, 12 million subscribers? Yeah. The, the thing is, is so the low latency stuff is all on the back end. So, like, Mixer handles all of that themselves. It's not like something that the streamer has to do in order to do that. Like, I could do that on my Xbox. It doesn't even have to be, like, high-powered technology or anything like that. Um, but the interesting thing is, is, like you're saying, he has a ton of subscribers. The other caveat we kind of have to give to that as well is Microsoft is giving people free subscriptions to his channel specifically for two months to kind of get those uh, Twitch Prime people over and give them an entry point into Mixer. So the fact that they're basically giving away a bunch of free subscriptions to, to a bunch of people, that's definitely... I mean, that's definitely impacting his numbers a little bit at least. So what I think they need to do, and we talked about this the other night, is somehow implement Xbox Game Game Ultimate, uh, Game Pass Ultimate, sorry, uh, into Mixer so that if you're a subscriber to Game Pass Ultimate, you get a free subscription to a channel of your choice. So if you want to go subscribe to ninja or whoever you can go ahead and do that for free for one one time if you have game pass ultimate i think that would be a great idea and also like if you give free stuff out for for different games like twitch prime gives out all kinds of stuff apex legends madden all all kinds of games that they give stuff like one of the big things exclusive skins with uh twitch prime on apex and i think that 
would again be a huge seller for Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's smart on Microsoft to do that. I mean, honestly, Microsoft has been, especially in the last year, very smart with their marketing when it comes to things that they offer. Yeah. Uh, as you vehemently tried to get me to do, I just don't plug my Xbox in that often. <laughs> yeah. But Game Pass after E3 with Xbox Live, if I remember correctly, was a dollar. Yes. Um, Game Pass Ultimate, they were giving you upgrade for a dollar, and yeah. it was tr- it was a... Uh, basically changing any existing gold membership or game pass membership you had into game pass ultimate exactly yeah so i mean they know how to turn that penny uh because i'm assuming that they we have not seen game pass subscriber numbers and knowing microsoft do i think we will probably not um but my guess is is there's probably a huge attach rate with uh xbox players yep um especially when it comes to first party games I mean, it's pretty nice that even if you only wanted to play, say this year you only wanted to play Forza and Gears of War 5, sorry, Gears 5, yeah. we should correct that from last week, because we kept calling it Gears of War 5, uh, but it's Gears 5. Still Gears of War franchise, yeah. but yeah, Gears um, 5. But imagine only having to pay for like those two months, twelve ninety nine or however much it is, yep. instead of $60 for each game, yep. which is a huge cost savings, especially in today's world. I mean, mm-hmm. you and I aren't made of money neither is anybody in our audience yep. so to have that netflix style uh app for you is only going to make things better and it's just smart for them to almost use ninja as a salesperson yep i think that's going to be a huge strength that microsoft can play up imagine the next scarlet yeah uh commercial um just showing ninja streaming on his new xbox very true is that going to push a couple hundred thousand units when it comes to kids like kids see ninja on there and they're going to be like no i don't want a playstation i want an xbox ninja's on xbox yep you can very well see that or pc because microsoft doesn't care whether you're on xbox or pc that's true but during the console race initially at the launch because i'm assuming they're going to keep with the old days with launching at the same time oh yeah so i could see them almost selling that like we have ninja on our platform come over here and watch the funny thing is is just one last thing with this uh i tweeted at phil spencer that idea about game pass ultimate uh tying into mixer and giving the twitch prime like gifts and except with mixer and uh today i saw phil spencer tweet at somebody and said these are all great ideas i've heard this from numerous people talking specifically about free subscriptions for mixer for game pass ultimate subscribers so he's definitely listening and hearing about this so i would not be surprised by the end of the year if we get something like that implemented for mixer so um lastly we're going to jump into our top five for the week so this week we're going to talk about our top five rpgs of all time so some of these we've actually already talked about um some developers we've talked about as well uh naturally but I don't know if you do you want to go like round robin. Yes, one hundred percent. That all right? We'll do round robin this time. He didn't like how I did it last week. Don't don't criticize me. All right. So first up, my first one will be. These are not in any particular order, but my first one would be Fallout Three. 
That game was just an incredible, incredible experience for the time. Todd Howard, I love that man to death. That man is amazing. Todd Howard and Bethesda Game Studios are an amazing RPG developer. So you're starting a new list of people we praise now. Yes. So we have pra- enemies and pra- we have friends. Yes, praise Todd Howard. <laughs> Todd, please reach out to me. I love you. I'm uh, just kidding. Uh, no, but seriously, Bethesda Game Studios makes amazing RPG experiences, so... Fallout 3, to me, is one of the best of all time. Uh, I spent probably 200-plus hours in that game just on one playthrough. So that game just had such great characters, such a great world, such a great story. It was such a cool game. Uh, The original ending, I know, kind of ended a little weird, but once they did all the DLC for it, it definitely made that game a complete experience. That was a great game. Uh, so my first one is Earthbound on the Super Nintendo. Um, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to replay this, whether it came out on the uh, new 3DS like two years ago or the SNES Classic or even on a Super Nintendo, but it probably comes down to one of the funniest RPGs of all time, and you don't think that it is until you've actually played it. Um, it is so quirky. You're, you play as this little boy named Ness, and his uh, three friends, uh, one of which is aptly named Pooh. Uh, but it is such a fun um, RPG, and it knows that it's an RPG too, so it makes fun of that. Um, it just has, it still looks great today. I mean, you could still easily, I actually, when I got the SNES Classic, it's one of the games that I replayed again. Um, when it was on the Wii U, uh, I actually played it again and it even made more sense as a handheld for it. So I can't wait till it gets actually announced for the Switch. Um, but it just has so many quirks and gameplay mechanics that are still used today. Uh, especially when it comes to random battles uh, or um, how things interact with you as far as an RPG that you don't really think about. You just think, oh, well, this is how it always is. That's how it always has been. Well, this kind of starts that trend with a lot of RPG mechanics. Um, and it's not a terribly long one. Uh, I mean, 30, 40 hours uh, yeah. can take you, but it is very rewardable, especially with the replay value. I mean, the first time I played it, I played it again afterwards because I just wanted to keep playing it. Oh, cool. So my next one isn't going to be a surprise based on the first one. So... This one, I absolutely love this developer, and I actually have a couple games on this list that is from this developer because I love them so much. Fallout New Vegas, which is basically Fallout 3. It's everything that made Fallout 3 so good except in a um, Las Vegas setting, and everything like the world was completely different than Fallout 3. It made it more vibrant. Uh, the guns were a lot more uh, upgradable and had more uh, customization. So Fallout New Vegas was basically an upped uh, Fallout 3, and I absolutely adored that game as well. Again, put hundreds of hours into it. Love that world, love the experience, and Obsidian did an amazing job building that world. And also, I want to Fallout New Vegas too, please. I've never played any of the Fallout games besides wow. Fallout 4. Um, and I did not that's, get into it. That's the worst one. Yeah, I did not get into it. It's just not my cup of tea with that whole um, VAT system. Oh. Not a fan of that. I like the first-person aspect because it reminds me a lot of 
Deus Ex. Mm. Um, and I like the original ones on PC, and uh, I think there was just a few on PlayStation 2. Um, so my next one up is Final Fantasy X. So Final Fantasy X plays a special part in my heart um, because it was probably the first time that I realized that I actually really love this genre. Um, I had played games like this, such as Earthbound um, and other earlier games too, but I never truly realized that I actually enjoy this type of game until Final Fantasy X because I just got so hooked into it for so long. I mean, I easily probably put 150 to 200 hours, and that's back when you didn't have a hard drive, you had a memory card. Um, it was the first Final Fantasy game that had voice acting, and don't get me wrong, it was not pretty. Uh, a lot, there was that the infamous laugh scene uh, with Titus that you're just like, what is going on? But I mean, for the time when that came out, it was so revolutionary to actually hear those voices, um, those cutscenes were beautiful um it was actually one of the first uh, final fantasies to get a sequel because you had final fantasy 10 2 which was a lot different i wasn't as high on but mm -hmm. final fantasy 10 just it made you feel like you were actually in the world you were titus you were trying to save everything look at the story um it had probably one of the goofiest mini games in Blitzball. Uh, it was both awful and amazing at the same time. Really, it didn't. It, it was so random that you couldn't get pissed. Like you could get pissed, but it's just like whatever. This is just gonna happen. Yeah. Um, but it, the characters were just so memorable. Waka, Luna, uh, Yuna, uh, uh, Riku. It, it's just I can still remember every part of that story today. Um, I actually rebought it on the PS Vita oh, wow. uh, when that uh, came out on there because I thought that'd be perfect on a handheld, and I was correct. Um, I haven't bought it on the Switch yet. Uh, I don't think I need to play it for like the ninth time through. Mm -mm. But it was such an incredible game that I was so disappointed when Final Fantasy Thirteen came out because <laughs> it was not that game. Completely different experience. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, it's kind of funny how very different our lists are because I've not played the first two games you've mentioned, and you haven't played the first two games I've mentioned. So I, I, I will admit, as far this is where I think your and I's um, expertise differs yeah. and helps as far as anybody that wants to know is Daniel has a lot more experience in the newer games, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, whereas I have pretty much everything from Nintendo on, yeah. and I spent so much time playing these older games. Yeah, I'm actually looking at my list right now and realizing all of my games are from last generation. Yes, they are. So that's kind of funny. And I don't have a single, or no, I have one from last generation. <laughs> that that's is the kind of, soonest that I have anything. That is kind of funny, actually. <laughs> um, so my next one is another game from Obsidian, which... We were just talking about this, South Park, The Stick of Truth. That game, it's such a master class of RPG because it combines the amazing humor of South Park with a very interesting battle uh, system that really is kind of unique in its own respect. Like you said, it kind of modernizes like that JRPG experience. And so that to me was what was so good about that game and the story was super awesome and super funny and all the characters were perfect the voices were perfect uh matt and trey obviously were involved so the the map itself was super cool it's the first time uh, we ever got a south park map yes that we knew where everything was which is super cool yeah. as well because they consulted with matt and trey on that they 
they basically said, all right, we're, we're going to lay this out and we'll give you guys what we have. And Which guys... is always scary when a TV series or some sort of license partners with a game or, or game developer because you don't know what you're going to get. Is oh, yeah. their hand going to be too involved or less involved? Yep. And obviously that game got delayed a few times, so they were heavily involved. Yep. But I would never say too involved because of the results that came out with it. Nope. Such a good game. Absolutely yeah. agree. Um, so my next one is going to harp back still in Final Fantasy. <laughs> so I, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics... Uh, specifically, not Tactics Ogre, because uh, I'm pretty sure that's the one that came out for PS1 and PSP. I'm going to go Final Fantasy Tactics on the Game Boy Advance. Mm. Um, again, this is... Every Final Fantasy has that uh, benefit of not really being the same. There are certain aspects that they carry over in every Final Fantasy, but no one ever has to worry. So 15 came out like three years ago. Mm. You didn't have to play one to understand 15, yep. which I always respect. Because I didn't get into Final Fantasy until Final Fantasy VI. So, oh my gosh, did I miss the five things of story? Yeah. I never did. They're all their own separate games for the most part. Um, what this did was it almost developed a lot of things that Six started when it came to class systems, such as your warrior, uh, your healer, your black mage, all that stuff. Um, lets you be able to change it up and change up your characters uh, and then also put you on whenever you went into a battle, you went onto a multi-tiered map. So it wasn't a map that was necessarily level like the coffee table. It was like all-terrain type stuff. So your movements were a lot like Advance Wars or Fire Emblem gotcha. to where you maybe couldn't get up this hill. You had to go around to attack this enemy, but they were an archer, so they could continue to hit you while you're trying to go around. Wow. Um, the story is really cool. Uh, I'm not generally a fan of Final Fantasies that go into the medieval. Um, there's a few of them, especially the earlier ones. I like the more technology-based ones. Um, but it still was very engaging. It's a game that I wish somehow got re-released on the Switch, which I know we're getting Crystal Chronicles, I believe, this year yeah. at some point. Um, so that will scratch the itch for a lot of people, but... I still just remember all the experience playing tactics, especially when I was on vacation with my family. Um, just all the hours that I put into that. Gotcha. If I look like a deer in headlights while you're talking about Final Fantasy, it's because <laughs> I am. I have no idea about anything Final Fantasy. So, um, yeah, but that that's super cool. I know Final Fantasy is a big deal to a lot of people. Uh, if you guys are in the chat, just let us know what you guys think are your top five RPGs. We got a couple left here. Uh, if anyone's there, just drop your favorite rpgs in the chat and we'll share them out uh so my next one is man one of my favorite games from last generation mass effect 2 never heard of it never played it i know we went over this <laughs> Ugh, such a freaking phenomenal experience so mass effect 2 is what got me into the mass effect uh trilogy and the interesting thing is uh, I bought Mass Effect, okay? I tried it, and I, I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. I set it aside. Mass Effect 2 came out, I believe 2010, I believe, something like that. And I started playing Mass Effect 2, and I'm like, holy crap, this game is amazing. And I'm like, I need to stop playing this. So I stopped playing it, went back to Mass Effect 1, and I was like, I need to play this. I played through Mass Effect 1, and all the way through and i'm like 
even though Mass Effect 1's gameplay systems aren't as good as Mass Effect 2, I was like, I need to experience this story. I need to play through everything so that I can import my character into 2 and I can play through everything. Your own so personal shepherd. Exactly. So I have a brand new copy of Mass Effect 2 just sitting there while I'm playing <laughs> Mass Effect 1 to, just so I can get that character moved over. But that game, Mass Effect 2, is such an unbelievable game. The writing in that game is incredible. It was peak Bioware, in my opinion. Um, Mass Effect 3 was still good writing, but, you know, the ending wasn't so great. And some of the character interactions I wasn't as big on. But Mass Effect 2, I absolutely love the writing in that game. The story, the impact that it has at the end. Like, the, I don't want to spoil anything, but the end of Mass Effect 2 is crazy. The beginning of Mass Effect 2 is crazy. And... Um, the actual missions you will go on with your companions are actually impactful to the game, which I love as well. That's what's so good about the Mass Effect franchise in general. And that game just scratched the perfect itch for me. Perfect fantasy sci-fi RPG. And I, I love that game. So I know we're getting close on time for us as far as that. And thank you guys again for joining us. Um, so I got two left. So, first of which is actually a cheat, because I'm using them almost as the same developer. Um, it's Dark Souls and Bloodborne. Um, so, the reason why I put those on as far as the same when it comes to RPGs is because, yes, they are different games in their own respect, but the genre that they have helped create, I think, puts them on par with themselves. No one, now, no one ever calls it just a Souls-like, they call it a Souls-born um, type That's game, um, and both games just do a masterful job of combining action adventure with an RPG with their mechanics. Yeah. Um, it is not for the faint of heart, as I think I said earlier. As far as comparison to Hollow Knight, it is a difficult game. Yeah. Uh, both of which are not easy. Uh, they don't take that much time, in my opinion. Maybe forty to fifty hours, depending on uh, how good you are. But it is a game that coined the term GG or get good. Yep. Uh, they they both are very, very tough games. But no. I think that's where a lot of the enjoyment comes for myself, yep. especially as an old school gamer. When you didn't really have the money for as many games back in the day, you wanted to get all the enjoyment you could. And so obviously you generally played on hard mode to get that uh, money for your buck. And so that's what Dark Souls games are like is the hard mode of games. Um Again, there's a story there that is so masterfully classed or uh, classified that yes, you have to search for it, but it's just so amazing the way that they tell that story. I mean, through every single item you pick up, you're going to get some sort of the story. Yep. Um, and there's so many twists and turns of how things actually are. You don't really ever get anything about your specific character, but you always find out something about the world and how really everyone who thinks that they've been doing good to the world have actually been doing awful to it. Um, but I will always highly recommend those to people that don't ever think that they would love those games. The, the thing I will say is, for all those reasons that you said you love the game, I hate those games because I just... I hate super difficult games, but the, I love that that exists for people who love that type of experience, but I definitely don't recommend it. If you don't like super challenging games, don't... I wouldn't necessarily invite someone so to play to, that. To a point, I would agree, but yeah. I also I didn't get into Dark Souls until I 
randomly i got bloodborne uh when it came out because of like all the hype around it i never played a souls like game before and i am so glad i did because i got so hooked on bloodborne so quickly that i checked out then all the dark souls games and even demon souls and i had so much fun with all those that like that is a genre i now love yeah i mean there's been so many spinoffs and takes of that the surge uh code vein eventually comes out um assault and sanctuary Mm. uh, was an indie game that was a souls like so it's been such a huge renaissance of creating this new genre we're almost in our lifetime seeing what metroidvanias were like for people now we're seeing it become the form now yeah they created their own genre which is super impressive for sure uh tyler actually dropped in the chat my boy tyler dropped star wars knights of the old republic and the fallout series kotor 100 percent agree on kotor funny thing is i've never played kotor but i've always heard that it's really? amazing i've never played kotor but i definitely agree with fallout series it's a shame that we never got a third we got a second yeah. one we never got a third kotor yeah. And mm-hmm. I think, especially on like this generation of consoles, and I don't that's think that's a shame. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna get one because I basically think that at this point EA has uh, screwed the the Star Disney Wars license. will not give them but the license back. I don't. That, think that's so. that's for another show. Yeah. That's a long topic in of itself. But my uh, so my last game on my top five list is Diablo three. So Diablo three is such a freaking fun game. Like. Oh, yeah. As far as, like, story goes and stuff like that, I have no idea what's going on. I've, I didn't play Do- uh, Diablo 1 or 2, so I literally have no idea what's going on in Diablo 3. But, man, that gameplay is so much fun. I love the top-down perspective, and it's a looter shooter, basically. Or, not a looter shooter, but a... What do you call that? Uh, frick. We were just talking about, talking about it. About. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but anyways, I love that experience, and just getting that loot is so satisfying, and upgrading your character and upgrading your stuff is super awesome. I played probably, I don't know, over 100 hours of Diablo 3, and I had never played the first two. Well, and, and the game doesn't even start until you really beat it. Yeah. That's when the game finally starts is when you actually beat the game. Yeah. It's almost, in a sense, uh, It's like, an ongoing um, game. Uh, automata that game that came out near near automata yeah where you beat the game and like now granted diablo you don't beat it like in an hour and you're done but right it does have a lot of that i 100 percent agree with you that's a top tier game i had played diablo 2 never played diablo 1 um so it was nice to see that continuation of the story but just those mechanics i mean first off so many companies have stolen from what uh blizzard has done with diablo uh and continued on that uh, front is like we were talking last dungeon week about, crawler yeah dark si- dark siders genesis comes out yes um, sorry so i mean it's such a huge genre and it's such a main stake of that uh genre too where it's just i there's nothing more fun when it comes to having a game with your friends mm-hmm. that you can in a sense all be good at it yep. doesn't take that much skill to be it yep I agree completely, yeah. and I, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Dungeon Crawler is what we were. I was trying to think. Yeah, of. for it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so my last one is uh, another Final Fantasy game, Final Fantasy VII. Uh, so in my opinion, it is actually my favorite Final Fantasy game. Ooh. Um, and I've generally played them all except for the online ones, so not eleven and not fourteen. Uh, but 
it was such a revolutionary experience to play that game, especially at launch. First off, if I remember correctly, it was on three or five discs. Um, wow, that's insane. And you did not even realize that the game hadn't even started until like when you were about maybe 10 or so hours in and you get off of Midgar and realize, oh, there's land? I thought we were just in this air place this whole time. Um, the twists and turns that it had ridiculous everyone knows about the infamous Aerith scene uh which is why uh when you get final fantasy 7 uh this coming year do not level her up i would not focus on that wait is that final fantasy 7 part one out of seven or my guess is three parts oh, okay but, I, I still don't understand that like how are they b- breaking up the game one game into like so i under parts? i understand it i just don't know how they're gonna do it with generations All right um but it was just such a remarkable game at its time. Cloud is probably one of the most recognizable mm-hmm. uh, RPG in total characters oh. at this point. I mean, I, I bought the Amiibo just for him, even though I don't ever play as him on Smash Brothers. So it's definitely, even as a PS1 game, because it's on PC, you can get it on PlayStation 4 Store or Switch or Xbox One. Oh. I would grab it if you're ever interested to see when Final Fantasy comes out uh, next year in March what that started from yep. what that looked like yeah that and that game definitely looks uh super intense like they've definitely expanded upon the original in every way and it definitely feels like a full remake uh sort of like resident evil or two it's almost a reimagining yeah yeah essentially yeah. i don't know if they've ever coined that term but reimagining uh, yeah, yeah absolutely. i would not look at it as a remake or remastered it's, yeah. a, it's definitely going to be different yeah. i don't know if i'll love it yeah i think for players like you that don't like jrpgs yeah i think that's how we get you into the fold maybe i think that final yeah. fantasy 15 mentality yeah. of western players don't like turn-based stuff yeah. um I know that's more of a Japanese type thing, so I think that what is what sells you is that action-based. Cool. All right. So that's the end of the podcast, guys. Uh, we really appreciate everyone coming out and supporting the live stream. You guys got the exclusive pre-show uh, on YouTube.com. You can always find us, Podcast PXN. I don't even know what we were arguing about this week. Yeah. But we'll have a new argument next week. Oh, yeah. There's always something to argue about, but... Uh, follow us on Twitter at PodcastPXN. Uh, like I said, PodcastPXN on YouTube. You can find us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play. Literally everywhere there's podcast services. Take it over it's the world, it's man. everywhere. So it, it was a pain in the butt, but it's everywhere. So really appreciate the support, guys. Uh, we'll see you next week at 8 p.m. Every Wednesday, remember, 8 p.m. We will be live on YouTube.com. Appreciate it, guys. Deuces. See ya.